Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Man, good morning, everyone. I hope you all are doing well on this Thursday. And come on, this is our God that we're here to worship and learn from this morning um, on soap. We are going to be diving into Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy chapter 22. Um, man, I'm okay. Disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer all right uh there is definitely some passages and some topics in here that are definitely pg-13 um and so that just gives any parental warning right there if you got young ones uh listening if you're listening in the car and you got young ones taking them to school or you're listening to this later on on the podcast uh just want to give you that um, with what we have going on, okay? Um, some of this is also very contrary to what our culture right now is trying to shove down our throats. It is very counterculture to some things. Um, so I just want to give us that forewarning that we're going to dive into it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because if you know me, the, the only sugar I like is in my candy, not in my Bible, all right? And so that's the way this is going to go. Um, but uh, we are going to dive into it. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 22. Uh, so let's pray, definitely. And then, yeah, that's right. Gummy bears, my man. <laughs> um, and uh, let's pray and let's get into it this morning um, and see all God has for us. Because I'm telling you, even though some of this is tough, there's goodness and you see the love of Christ all in it. Um, so, but come on. Lord, we just come to you today with uh, open hearts and open minds. Uh, Lord, we just, we love you. We know that, um, we know that all of this is for our good. All of this is for uh, order. All of this is for uh, exactly uh, what you have designed and designed for our best and for your will. Uh, Lord, we love you. Uh, Lord, I surrender myself to you. Um, Lord, I pray that you teach me, that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. May you guide this conversation. May you guide uh, this teaching today through your word. Um, Lord, may you teach all of us something today. Uh, may we grow stronger uh, in you. May we grow closer to you uh, and help us renew our minds this morning uh, towards your will and for our betterment. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right. If you got coffee, tea, water, something, get a good swig and let's dive in. All right. I'm reading out of the NLT as I have been. Um, verse one, if you see your neighbor's ox or sheep or goat wandering away, don't ignore your responsibility. Notice something, God's going to say this twice. Take it back to its owner. If its owner does not live nearby, 
or you <clears throat> don't know who the owner is, take it to your place and keep it until the owner comes looking for it. Then you must return it. Do the same if you find your neighbor's donkey, clothing, or anything else your neighbor loses. Don't ignore your responsibility. If you see that your neighbor's donkey or ox has collapsed on the road, don't look the other way. Go and help your neighbor get it back on its feet. Verse 5. A woman must not put on men's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable or an abomination, depending on your translation, in the sight of the Lord our God. If you happen to find a bird's nest in a tree or on the ground, and there are young ones or eggs in it, with the mother sitting in the nest, don't take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but let the mother go so that uh, you may prosper and enjoy a long life. We'll get into all of that weirdness. Uh, when you build a new house, you must build a railing around the edge of its flat roof that you may, uh, that way, excuse me, that way you will not be considered guilty of murder if someone falls from the roof. Verse 9, you must not plant any other crop between the rows of your vineyard. If you do, you are forbidden to use either the grapes from the vineyard or the other crop. Verse 10, you must not plow with an ox and a donkey uh, harnessed together. You must not wear clothing made of wool and linen woven together. Verse 12, you must put your you must put four tassels on the hem of a cloak with which you cover yourselves on the front, back, and sides. Verse 13, suppose a man marries a woman, but after sleeping with her, he turns against her and publicly accuses her of shameful conduct, saying, when I married this woman, I discovered she was not a virgin. When the woman's father and mother uh, then the woman's father and mother must bring the proof of her virginity to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. Her father must say to them, I gave my daughter to this man to be his wife, and now he has turned against her. He has accused her of shameful conduct, saying, I discovered that your daughter was not a virgin, but there is the proof, but here is the proof of my daughter's virginity. Then they must spread her bedsheet before the elders. The elders must then take the man and punish him. Uh, they must also fine him 100 pieces of silver, which he must pay to the woman's father because he publicly accused a virgin of Israel of shameful conduct. The woman will then remain the man's wife and he may never divorce her. It's going to sound weird. We'll get into all of like why and what and, and all of this. It's, it might even get weirder. So um, verse 20, but suppose a man's accusations are true and he can show that she was not a virgin. Uh, the woman must be taken to the door of the father's home and there the men of the town must stone her to death for she has committed a disgraceful crime in Israel by being promiscuous while living in her parents' home. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. 
if a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the woman must die. In this way, you will purge Israel of such evil. 23. Suppose a man meets a young woman, a virgin who is engaged to be married, and he has sexual intercourse with her. If this happens within a town, you must take both of them to the gates of that town and stone them to death. The woman is guilty because she did not scream for help. And the man must die because he violated another man's wife. In this way, you will purge the evil from among you. Verse 25, but if the man meets uh, the engaged woman out in the country and he rapes her, then only the man must die. Do nothing to the young woman. She has committed no crime worthy of death. She is as innocent as a murder victim. Since the man raped her out in the country, it must be assumed that she screamed, but there is no one to rescue her. 28. Suppose a man has intercourse with a young woman who is a virgin, but is not engaged to be married. If they are discovered, they must pay her father 50 pieces of silver. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her, and he may never divorce her as long as he lives. In verse 30, a man must not marry his father's former wife, for this would violate his father. All right, let's. <laughs> there we go. The word of the Lord. We've got a whole mess of fun to deal with in this one. <laughs> so um, let's start from the beginning. Um, verses one all the way to uh, really the end of verse four. And you, there's a general concept here of, and God says twice, don't ignore your responsibility. Right? Moses is writing this down and saying, don't ignore your responsibility. This is what God is decreeing and saying that, look, here's the deal. Your neighbor, you need to help them out. Turning the other way, turning, this is not the application to turning the other cheek, okay? This is not that way of saying, ooh, homie over there needs some help. I don't want to play with that. I'm not going to help him out or help her out. I'm just going to turn around and ignore that. No, 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 no. That is evil, all right? Doing nothing when you know you can help out is sin, okay? And so it's saying like, hey, if and now then ox and goats and uh, animals that you, you had, that was major pieces of property, okay? Today's context would be if you saw your neighbor if you saw a buddy of yours, if you saw somebody in your community with a flat tire, get out and help them, or at least ask an offer to help. And if they say, hey, no, I'm good, then good. Then you're good to go. But at least you did your part, your responsibility by being neighborly. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay. Um, Look, I want you to understand that, number one, we live in a New Testament context. We live under a constitution. We live in a whole nother different uh, way of living uh, versus then. But the principles of what is in God's law are still applying. The principles, okay? Uh, spiritual principles here. This is more of a moral 
uh, one and a community obligation um, is just to love your neighbor, right? So, okay. But that's really what it is. It's just take care of it. Uh, if you see something, this, oh my gosh. We do this at the church probably seven times a week on average. Is if somebody leaves something, we hold on to it until somebody comes looking for it. Hopefully within a week. You'll all be leaving cups like crazy around the church with your thermoses, your Stanleys, your Yeti cups, your whatever. Y'all be leaving these at the church all the time. And guess what? They're at the next steps desk. <laughs> okay. Underneath Nicole Bennett was like, oh my gosh, come get your stuff. Come get your stuff. <laughs> all right. But yes, we hold on to it waiting to come for you to come looking for it. Some of y'all ain't never come looking for it and it's gone. All right? But uh, we definitely hold on to it for quite a while. But yes, there's, if we held on to everything somebody left at the church, we could fill the whole warehouse with stuff all the way to the ceiling. It'd be ridiculous. But uh, we definitely have y'all in mind. Um, lady came yesterday uh, looking for her cup. Thank you for coming to get your cup. <laughs> all right. Come get your cups. <laughs> Um, all right, <laughs> side note. Uh, here we go. Verse five, verse five, just oh my gosh, this is just like some craziness that just drops in the middle. It's kind of like that weird cousin that just comes in the middle of a conversation and just drops a nugget that has nothing to do with the conversation, but it's right there anyway. And so we're gonna have to handle it. All right, we're gonna handle it. Like I said, I'm not sugarcoating nothing. Um, a woman must not put on man's clothing. And a man must not wear woman's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God or an abomination. I want you to understand what this word detestable or abomination. Um, uh, it's, it's a Hebrew word of uh, toabath. Uh, I'm probably messing that up. But basically, who has told you something that somebody has done? And it's so disgusting, so vile that literally just hearing it makes you actually sick. Like you actually, like I might throw up, like it's that nasty. That's really the context of this word. Uh, whenever you see it's an abomination or it's detestable written in the Bible, definitely in uh, the Old Testament in Hebrew, it's just this, it's this, it's so disgusting to God that it actually, you know, in our human context, that it, it actually makes me physically sick or feel like as if I want to throw up. Um, there is a context of where actually the Egyptians even said that sitting down and having a meal with the Hebrews is detestable or an abomination to them. It was like their, their, um, their separation, their basically their racism, if you will, towards Hebrews was that much that it was it was like I'm gonna I'm gonna have a meal with the with a donkey or something. It was that nasty to them. Uh, that's how they looked at it, and that's basically the same form of what we're seeing here. All right, uh, of what God is saying. This is not saying. And this is where 
I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but this is not saying that women can't wear jeans. This, like, we've got some Christians that get a little extra um, with uh, with some of the word. This is not saying women can't wear jeans. This is not saying uh, something along those lines. What this is saying is that uh, even back then, if you look at the type of dress and clothing that people wore back in the day, it was everybody wore basically robes. Everybody wore a lot of just uh, drapes draped over clothing, right? Very similar, both in men and women, but it's how it was worn that made it very distinguishable that you were a male or a female in the way you wore the clothing. So perfect example, we have women's jeans that are cut and fit for women, right? Versus men, the way that you wear your clothing, are you trying to emulate being another gender? That's the whole idea here. That is no. Okay. And unfortunately today we are seeing this being way overly accepted. And I'm sorry, it is wrong. I'm just, I'm, it's wrong. Okay. A couple things. One, God made male and female and on purpose. We, it is not that we are equal. It is that we are complementary to each other. Women, you all know you ain't no man. And men, we know we're not a woman. There is specific differences. There's biological differences. There's DNA differences, all right? All the way down to our DNA, that we are just different. And God made us that way in a complementary and a wonderful way of doing that. My sisters in Christ help me out so much, and they give me a point of view of things that I would not see because of my male. I have hormone blockers, right? The testosterone blocking blocks certain things that women are able to do <laughs> that I cannot do, both physically and even just seeing things. We have certain differences that help us complement each other, both as friends, as a body of Christ, and as we come together in marriage. That is the whole purpose. And to go against that, to go against the order of God, is a direct violation to God himself and his creation. And that is exactly what it is. And I'm telling you, where did this all come from? It came from pagan rituals. This came from pagan rituals where they would actually try, men would dress up as women and women would dress up as men to uh, worship the god of Astra, which was also an accompanying god that was with the god of Seth, or, uh, Seth, the god of chaos and darkness. Astra was a goddess of female, um, or excuse me, of fertility not FEMA, of fertility, of sex in general, both in uh, the act of sex and sex meaning gender, uh, and the goddess of war or otherwise hostility uh, in, in all actuality, all right? And these two partnered each other uh, in a lot of different uh, pagan cultures. Chaos and darkness, otherwise confusion, what is chaos? Chaos is confusion, right? And then we see 
we're going to have, and they partner with the goddess of sex and fertility and hostility. Wow. Doesn't that sound like exactly what's going on with trying to say that we can just go back and forth? That is exactly what we are seeing right now. And guess what? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. I'm here to tell you that this is more spiritual than the world gives it credit for. Because guess what? They don't want to be found out. The world will not understand that this is more spiritual. And they and it's called that I'm born this way, I'm made this way, that I'm, I'm sorry. It is a spiritual attack on our world against God's order and what God created. That's exactly what we have. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but principalities of darkness. I'm telling you right now that this is a spiritual attack on the order in which God made through people. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so, yes, that is where we sit. That is what's going on here. And so I pray for brothers and sisters, or even people that are outside of the faith that are unfortunately under this confusion. I pray for them. This is not a us versus them. This is an us needing to pray for them. This is an us needing to say, oh my goodness, this, let's recognize this for what it is. This is not a, oh my gosh, you're, you're terrible. We hate you. No, the blood of Jesus can still redeem you. The blood of Jesus can set you free. The blood of Jesus is there for the forgiveness of sins. And that's what he came to do. And we need to preach that gospel message to everybody, which is love and peace. I want you to take, understand for what it is. It is a spiritual attack. And then on top of it, we need to pray. If it's a spiritual attack, how do we handle it? We go to war in prayer. We go to war with, oh, with that exactly for what it is. Do not negate what the cross was for. I want us to understand that. Do not negate what the cross is for. Too much do we want to say, look, we're right, you're wrong. And it's like, guess what? We were wrong too. There was something in all of our lives that we were wrong in, that God had to redeem us from, that God had to set us free from, that God had to set us straight from as well in our lives. This is a sin. Whatever else in your life was a sin too, that we all have to deal with. And we're still going through a sanctification process. So I don't want this to be a message of condemnation, of saying that this is evil and wrong. I want you to take this as Jesus loves you and Jesus wants to help you. And we love you and we need to pray. And we need to pray. All right. I think I beat a dead horse on that one. All right. Going on, let's uh, hit up. We got uh, some other wild ones. Uh, we're going to six. Uh, if you happen to find a bird's nest in a tree or on the ground and there are young ones in the eggs. Um, and basically, so 
this this is overall like where you got mama bird with the nest and and the baby birds. This is a overall principle, and there's actually some even even Jewish uh, theologians uh, for Old Testament and everything that believe that this was the least 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 of the commandments. This was the least of all of the law right here, the very lowest law that need to be followed, and it is where it's saying. Uh, leave mama bird, but you can take the baby birds for, uh, maybe it was like you use them for sacrifice or, uh, you use them, uh, for food. Maybe you were that desperate that you need to eat baby birds. I don't know. I don't understand. But I think the whole idea here is that you leave mama bird so that she can further have babies again. Let that go on, do what you need to do. But there's a level of the whole idea is that if this is the least of the commandments and you follow it, there is blessing. Verse 7, you may take the young, but let the mother go so that you may prosper and enjoy a long life. If this is the least of the commandments that is in here in the law of Moses, and you follow even this, there's blessing for you. And that, that's really kind of like one of the bigger things because there's the other part is uh, this is showing we should not be having cruelty to animals. Now, yes, there's animal sacrifice, but understand that the whole idea behind this animal sacrifice is that it is a sacrifice. It is giving up of something you don't actually want to give up. Yes, Solomon killed like uh, thousands of bulls for God. People, there was so much animal sacrifice. Priests were basically um, glorified butchers in a way. It happened so much. What we should really see from this is that the whole idea was not to just maim and kill animals all the time. It's that this was hurtful. That this was something you didn't want to have to give up. That this was something that I could benefit more from this. I could benefit by having this animal and this meat could feed my family. But instead, because of my sin, I have to now give this up to atone myself. And take it that it took my place. Which is exactly what Jesus did. That he took our place on that cross. So whether it's an animal or Jesus, basically, we're the ones that really deserve the death penalty for our sin. The whole idea here is don't be cruel to animals. There's definitely an unjust way. Animal sacrifice was accepted, but it's but guess what? Obedience is better than your sacrifice. Obedience is better than your sacrifice. God would rather not have any sacrifices and that just be you be obedient. There's more blessing in an obedience than in a proper sacrifice. That's what this is all about. The other part is anybody who watch one of those crime shows and they see like some kid and he does something heinous when he turns 18. When they look at like what that kid did as a young kid uh, or, you know, like, wow, what led him to do this kind of crazy, heinous thing to either his friends or his family? 
And they always go back and like, well, he was shooting cats in the neighborhood or like something weird like that. And it's just it, it there's a pattern to this as well. There's a pattern to uh, if you're just mean to animals, if you're just a naturally mean to animals type person, uh, there's something deeper going on that could actually unravel into uh, worse things later in your life. And it's also a kind of an indication of uh, watch out for Jimmy down the road. Okay, so um, homie shooting cats in the neighborhood or something like that. It's it's not good. All right. It's not good. Um, uh, verse eight. Uh, all right. I'm going to try to blow through here because we're running out of time. There's so much in here. Um, verse eight, you basically see our first building codes. Where are my contractors at? There's your first building code. Um, uh, OSHA, there's your first OSHA violation of not putting up a fence. Uh, and guess what? Due to liability laws, you're guilty of murder if somebody falls off the roof and you didn't put a railing on there. And, and so there you go. New, New Jersey loves all of its building codes. There we go. Uh, verse nine, <laughs> um, you must not plant verse nine, 10 and 11. Okay. I'm just going to sum all these up. Don't mix things up. There's a certain order to things and there's a certain level of things that needs to happen when it comes to crops. You don't want to mix things up in the soil because one, if you know anything about grapes or just growing at all, um, the grapes are really, really finicky. Uh, go talk to anybody in the Champagne region of France. They'll tell you the grapes are super finicky. And whatever is growing in that soil uh, and what type of soil and what nutrients and all that are in it um, will affect the flavor of the grape. And so, therefore, it'll mess your wine up. It'll mess whatever it is that you're trying to do. And it's it's two plants competing for the same uh, nutrients in that soil when really it should just be one. And it's just like, hey, let's put some order in what we do. And so we see that actually in farming today. You go look into a whole field of corn. You don't see cauliflower mixed in the middle of that. Right. It, it, you just don't. OK, it's, uh, don't mix things up that don't need to get mixed up. Ox and a donkey don't mix up. One is weaker and bigger. Uh, one is weaker and one is much stronger and bigger. It's kind of like that's a terrible sale. Right. Buy an ox and get a free donkey. Like, no, get get two oxes and pull it. And they're both equally yoked. Wow. Wait, where'd that come from? Equally yoked. Don't be unequally yoked. Here's a per, here's a, a real life application of that in a farming context do not be unequally yoked one is stronger than the other we can look at that in uh, 2 corinthians 6 14 all right don't be unequally yoked yes this applies to us in marriage this applies to us in um and even close friendships as well right don't be unequally yoked and it goes into much further if you read in second corinthians uh, 6 14 and verses on uh, it goes into more of the spiritualness of that and uh, how it's it's pretty it's not good. Uh, you must not wear clothing made of uh, wool and linen, wool and linen. All right. One is a much stronger, tighter fabric than the other. And basically putting a very weak fabric in a um, not so strong, a very weak fabric and a very strong fabric together. Just don't it doesn't work. Um, that's the whole purpose of it. Yes, we have. uh like all these blended fabrics today, they're they're equally yoked fabrics. They're just they're different. Like don't get bent out of shape if you get a a shirt that says fifty percent cotton and fifty percent like nylon or lycra or whatever it is. You're you're good to go. It's it's the whole principle of don't have something 
terribly weak and terribly strong. And the strong actually has to do more work to hold up the weak. And uh, as we mix things together in a relationship that shouldn't be mixed together. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no jeans and no mixed fabrics. You can wear jeans, Tara. You're good. <laughs> um, uh, you must put four tassels on the, uh, on the hem of your cloak. Okay. So this is going back to Numbers 15, uh, verse 37 to 41. And this is to remind yourselves of all the laws. This is uh, the hymns on there. This is a very Jewish custom. You see these hymns on prayer shawls. Some of our uh, ladies on, uh, at Freedom had the prayer shawls with them. Uh, and you see all of that uh, on there. And this is to help remind you of the laws and to obey the laws and to love the Lord your God. All right. We're going to get into this sexual stuff real quick right before we end. Um, but all of this is ultimately, I want you to take in context that uh, honor is very, 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 very huge. Honor is very, very, very huge in here when we look through 13 all the way to basically the end to 29 and then 30s, just don't, don't sleep, don't sleep with your dad's um, ex-wife. Uh, so all the way from 29, it is basically saying honor. Mess up honor, it's a heavy price. You either have to pay a heavy price or your life is gone. There's a lot of honor in here. And it's old school, very traditional, very um, not of our culture today type honor. But there's you can see the remnants of this still. Yes, some of this sounds a little odd. Like, wait, you could never divorce her. That's a huge thing. When in their culture, they got to a point where, guess what, ladies? If you burnt the meal for a night and it was so detestable of a meal that you made, they could divorce you and just can't cook. Out you go. And, and like it, it was, and so the the idea of being able to have that right taken away from you was a big, big cultural smack in the face to them, right? Today, unfortunately, divorce is just is just a, a harsher form of a breakup. It's you know, unfortunately, it happens more rampant today, um, and so that's why this doesn't hold as much weight, and it looks weird to us. Uh, the hundred pieces of silver. Look, Jesus was sold for only uh, 30 pieces of silver. This is a heavy, heavy price. And 30 pieces of silver was a decent amount of money. Um, but a hundred pieces of silver, that was a lot. That's a heavy, heavy price um, back then. And so a lot of this is to thwart. We don't need some guy lying about a woman's honor, right? Take the virginity part and understand that as honor, honor of the family and honor of that girl, uh, right? And honor of the father and mother of that girl. And think of this in that context and you'll see how this is meant to be played out, right? They would say like there's a garment that they would have to present because what would happen is on the night of consummating your marriage, um, you would put a specific garment to basically catch the blood from the virgin um, and to say, look, proof of her virginity was that was intact. 
it's a whole bunch of medical stuff. Some people say that's garbage because it doesn't always happen. Yada, yada. There's actually still cultures that still even practice this um, similarly today uh, with that. But there's just look at it as I'm trying to protect the honor of the household, the honor of the father and the mother, the honor of the young lady. All right. There's also um, how bad adultery is. You're breaking up something that should never have been meant to be broken up. Adultery, huge issue here, right? Benefit of the doubt, right? Lady gets um, either has sex or is ultimately raped out in the field away from anybody. The presumption, benefit of the doubt that basically uh, she was raped and nobody could hear her scream. We can't prove any other way. So benefit of the doubt uh, for her and then the dude's in trouble, right? Uh, in inside a city, like if it happened in your neighborhood, nobody screamed. Now, today's much different. We have uh, buildings that are very soundproof. <laughs> um, and you, I could not hear what's going on in my neighbor's house. So that would probably fall under the benefit of the doubt side of the house. Uh, but in the culture then, uh, if you watch like The Chosen or see anything like that, you see that the homes and everything were very, they were either built on top of each other or very, very close to each other. Uh, alleyways were basically two body widths apart. Uh, they were not built for the big vehicles we have today and things of that nature. So uh, in that regard, if somebody screamed, you better believe at least 10 people or more are going to be able to hear it uh, very, very easily. And so the idea here is if she didn't, if she was had adultery sex there in the city and she didn't scream, she was not raped and it was consensual and she's just as sinful as he is, right? So that's the understanding here. The end part, this is where some people get tripped up. Verse 28, suppose a man has intercourse with a, a young woman who is a virgin, but is not engaged to be married. If they uh, are discovered, they must pay her father 50 pieces of silver. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her. And uh, he may never divorce her as long as he lives. This is under the understanding that this was consensual. That this was consensual between the two. That when it says he violated her, meaning he took her honor outside of marriage. And again, this is where, like, some people think, no, he raped her. And it's like, uh, no, this is under this understanding that this is consensual. If this was rape, it would go back to uh, the other one where, yeah, it, no, he'd probably be, he, we're my dads that have girls. That dude would have been stoned. Amen. If he raped my little girl. So I'm going to tell you right now, this is under the consensual side of the house that he would have to pay uh basically you know half of that hundred dollars or that hundred pieces of silver he'd pay 50 of it and then he'd have to marry her and hold on to her forever okay um again this is the lord is very very serious about all this stuff sex belongs inside of the covenant relationship of marriage period and the more and more we see how that is holy, how that is held together, how that is better for our society, how that is better. And it, it just alleviates a lot of the frustrations and things that we see 
in society today. And yes, it may not be quote unquote convenient or uh, the way our flesh likes to do it. But this is God's best. This is for better order. This is for peace. And honestly, let's let's just look at what is going on in society today. And there's so much to where, guess what? The more that this is applied, the more the less and less issues that we run into that we're currently facing as society. And uh, and there's a lot of grace in the house. There's a lot of love in the house. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of prayer for for families and the people that are dealing with things um, that unfortunately didn't go the way uh, that God's word is going right now. Um, but we love everybody and we love all of you and we pray for everybody and we understand that life is messy at times. Uh, but the blood of Jesus is there for everyone. Amen. And so I want to remind you, we love you. God loves you. Jesus paid for it all. Let's just come to his feet. Let's come and pray to him. And, uh, and so let's pray together as a uh, and let's have a great Thursday. Lord, sometimes your word is difficult. Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's outside of our modern day context. It's, it's just, uh, it, it, we didn't grow up that way. Lord, we're a bunch of crazy Gentiles that are trying to understand your ways. But Lord, you, the grace and the mercy that falls fresh on us every morning because of your son, Jesus, we accept. Lord, we just thank you for your word today for, uh, for this. We thank you for um, just trying to understand exactly your order. But we know that your order and your way brings blessing. Uh, that your ways bring, um, bring fruit to our lives, bring prosperity of, uh, of being able to do well and go forward and, and be able to even uh, proclaim your goodness, proclaim your gospel, uh, proclaim the salvation that is through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just love you so much. We just thank you for your word, whether it's uh, hard to hear or not. We just pray for you to continue to renew our minds by your word. Lord, we just thank you. Uh, we just pray that you be with us. I uh, pray a blessing over everybody on this call and everybody listening to this later on. Uh, Lord, just be with us. Guide us. Give us wisdom in our ways. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Have a blessed Thursday, you all. I know that went a little long, but enjoy. Take care. God bless. See you this Mother's Day. Guys, wink, wink. Don't forget it's Mother's Day. And therefore, you take care of mama out there. She works hard. We love you all. Take care. God bless.